And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. I want to talk to you today about some lessons that I've learned. Some lessons I've learned as I've been your pastor here at Evangel. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 says, To everything there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. To everything there's a season, there's a time for every purpose under heaven. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says, In the fullness of time God sent forth His Son born of a virgin. In the fullness of time time, when the time was just right. See, God knew when the time would be right for Jesus to be born in this world. He knew when just the right time would come that the Romans would build roads across the the known part of the world in Europe and the, the Middle East and into parts of Africa, and the message of the gospel could go forth. Well, back in June, Kathy and I we, we told the board of deacons that we felt like our season as the senior pastors here at Evangel was coming to a close. And um, our deacons were very gracious. They said, Pastor Terrell, we just believe that you're tired. Said, uh, we want you to take a vacation, which we already had scheduled. We want you to go up to the Carolinas and see your three girls and see your grandchildren and spend some time with them. You'll feel better when you get back. Well, we came back and this past Wednesday night I met with our deacons and I submitted to them my letter of resignation as your pastor here at Evangel. Effective September the 13th. So what I've done is I gave an eight week notice because of the COVID stuff that we're a part of. Normally you just give four weeks, but I gave an eight week notice and and I'd done that with counsel from our superintendent and from from others. And uh, we said that, of course, if a new pastor is identified before September 13th, Kathy and I will be glad to step aside and do our utmost to pray for and to bless and to to minister to this person and for this person. Um, What we didn't realize is that last Wednesday when I took out my calendar and I began counting, well, what is eight weeks from this Sunday I found out it was Sunday, September the 13th, which is exactly 18 years ago on the 13th of September, we came to be your pastors. And some of you know all about this because you, somebody texted you after the first service this morning or contacted you and some of you are surprised. Um, And some of you are asking, well, gee, where does that leave us? What are we supposed to do? Well, we have something called a constitution and bylaws. And our bylaws stipulate that in the event that the senior pastor position becomes vacant, that the deacons become a pulpit search committee. And uh, they will be meeting this Wednesday night on the 22nd. Brother Tommy Moore, who's the superintendent of the West Florida District of the Assemblies of God, Tommy Moore will be coming over and he'll be meeting with our deacons. I'll be in the first part of that meeting and we'll just be talking about this whole process and just how you go about it. And um, anyway, so I I just want you to know our, our, our deacons are wonderful, wonderful people, but they need your prayers. 
They need your prayers because they, there's, there's, only, there's only one of them that's had an experience that was actually on the board back 18 years ago when I was asked to come be the pastor that has been through this kind of experience. Um, our bylaws state this, it says, the pastor shall be elected to serve for an indefinite period of time. Election shall be by secret ballot at a, at a specially called meeting for that purpose. And it requires a two-thirds majority of vote to, to elect this individual to serve as the lead pastor. Now, um, I got through the first service. <laughs> Kathy and I love you. And we believe with all our heart that the best days for this congregation are not in the rearview mirror, they're in front of us. I believe with all my heart. You see, God began dealing with Kathy and I. He spoke to us. I didn't tell the people in the first service this, but it was in February. A year ago, 17 months ago, God spoke to me. We were hosting the Christian Education Conference for the West Florida District. And God spoke to my heart and said, your time at Evangelist is coming to a close. Well, I didn't know what that meant. You know, sometimes God's not, he doesn't give you a lot of direction. He just kind of speaks a word to you. It's called a word of knowledge. And if he doesn't give you specific direction, it's because you're not supposed to do anything with it. You know, you're just not supposed to go make plans on it. And so Kathy and I just began praying and praying and praying and praying. And we, we at that point in time, we didn't know that Paul and Terry were going to move to South Carolina. We had no idea. And when they told us that, we thought, oh my, well maybe, maybe this is what the Lord's talking about. But, but it wasn't to be. And we just kept it before God. And then when my dad got so sick, in my natural mind, I'm thinking, well, Terrell, he probably should step down because... You're having to give more time to him. And then our board came to me and they said, Terrell, you do whatever you need to do. You spend as much time as you need to with your dad, which I really appreciate. I'm grateful for. But we just kept, kept it before the Lord. And then in May of this year, I probably would have talked to our board in May. However, we did a Zoom meeting. And it, I didn't want to do it in a Zoom meeting. I didn't want to do it in virtual Reality, And so that's the reason I talked to him, first of all, in June. And you know, dear ones, let me say this. No one is placing pressure on us. We've got the best congregation and the best church board in the world. Nobody, so there's no pressure being placed on us. There are no major problems that we're trying to run away from. But we know that in our, in our heart, and God says this is our season. It's important in life. That you want to discern two things. You want to discern God's will for your life and you want to discern God's timing. Okay? God's will is always perfect, but God's will, just because you know His will doesn't mean that you know His timing. And it's so important that we get His timing. And so I have kept having to ask myself, do I, is the grace of God still on me to pastor? Is the grace of God still on us to do what we're doing? Or do we just love everybody so much that we just want to just keep it going because you're a very lovable congregation. 
You're the best congregation in the world. You really are. Nobody's putting pressure on us. Nobody's making us do anything. We just sense that this is time. Now you look up and you say, what are you going to do, Terrell? Well, I've got to close my dad's estate. I've got to get that done. Beyond that, I'm not altogether sure what we're going to do. I don't think God's finished with us in ministry. I don't know that I'll ever be a senior pastor again. But I believe God's got plans for us still. And I'm excited about that. And I know this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so we have to go forward in faith. And here's what I want to impart to you today. By the time this service is over with, I want you to leave here with a heart full of faith, knowing that God is directing your steps. He's directing the steps of this church. He's directing the steps that our deacons are going to take. He is, he's the author and finisher of our faith. And dear ones, he's got somebody that can come in and that can take this congregation where Terrell's not been able to take it. That's a thunderous silence I'm hearing out there. You're still chewing on this, I can tell. Your best days are ahead of you. Guys, change is difficult. After the last service, Gil Cartledge said, said something to me which is priceless. He says, everybody wants progress, but nobody wants change. We work real hard in life to get to a place of comfort. We work real hard to get comfortable and to, to feather our nest and have it just the way we want it. And lo, and if somebody comes along and tries to disturb our comfort and our nest, boy, we'll get upset in a hurry. You know, I've noticed, especially now that I'm older, because I used to be, I would always hear people, church members who would say, oh, for the good old days. And some of them were talking about when Pastor Wiley T. Davis was here. He was here for 14 years. And I was around for some of that. And I'd say, yeah, those were good old days. Others will say, well, I remember when we had revivals back in the 1950s. And I'm thinking to myself, do you really want to go back to the days of no air conditioning? You know, the, the truth is this. The good old days probably aren't quite as good as our memories make them, okay? Giving birth to that baby wasn't quite as wonderful as it was to raise that darling child. Amen? Well... 452 times the Bible, Old and New Testaments, uses a phrase of five words, five words, and it came to pass. And it came to pass. Why do things come? They come to pass. They come to leave. They come to move. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know where the pressure points are. But I'm telling you, it's coming to pass. It's not going to stay. It's not going to camp in your life. It's not going to build a condominium in your life. But this problem is going to pass. Hallelujah. And it came to pass. The best days for evangel are ahead of us. But very few people like change. I think about Peter and James and John. Do you remember the day that Jesus looked at those guys and said, guys, come up with me up on this mountain. 
And the Bible says that Jesus was transfigured before him. In other words, Jesus appeared as he prayed in his state of glory that he had with God before he came to this earth as a man. They saw Jesus in his glory and they saw Moses and Elijah talking with him and then they got sleepy and fell asleep and Moses and Elijah are talking with Jesus about going to the cross, about becoming sin for every man. When Peter finally wakes up, he kind of comes to himself and he says, boy, this is a wonderful feeling we've got right here. See, he was tasting the power of the ages to come. It says in Hebrews chapter 6, it talks about those who taste the power of the ages to come. For his first time in his life, he was following Jesus by choice, but now he's tasting the powers of the ages to come. He says, Jesus, this is wonderful. I'm going to build you a house, Moses a house, Elijah a house. We'll just all stay up here. This will be wonderful. He didn't know that Jesus was getting ready to take him down the mountain because there was a little boy who had epilepsy and he had a demon he needed to be delivered from and healing for him. And his daddy needed to exercise some faith. And you'll remember, I mean, Peter has this great experience, but he still falls away from Jesus. He still backslides. He's full of pride. He's full of arrogance. Sometimes we can't see when we've got flesh inside us. Sometimes we can't see our pride. I certainly have not been able to see mine at times, and I've not been able to see my arrogance. It wasn't long before Peter's arguing with the other disciples about who's the greatest. It wasn't too long after that that he said, Jesus, I'll never forsake you. But that night, three times, he denied Christ. And the other 10 had said, or the other 11 had said with Jesus, Lord, we'll never, we'll never run away from you. We'll never forsake you. But everybody except John took off that night when Jesus was arrested. Peter does, does a little more than take off. He begins cursing, saying, I know not the man. I know not the man. I know not the man. The only reason John was there is because he was friends with the, he was friends with the Caiaphas servants. He had tasted the power of the ages to come. But something happened between being on the Mount of Transfiguration and being over here where Jesus is being arrested. Everybody look at me. Temptation comes to every person. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. Whether it's the temptation to grow fearful, whether it's the temptation to give in place to worry, whether it's the temptation to, to feel like throwing in the towel, whether it's the temptation to, to, to get your heart broken, whatever it is. It comes to everybody. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you can endure. But with the temptation will make and provide a way of escape. I don't know about you, but many times in my prayer life, I'm saying, Jesus, I receive your way of escape. I receive your plan. I receive your provision. I, I receive what you want to do. But see, Peter was a creature of habit. He didn't want things to change, and we can all get just like Peter if we're not careful. Let me share with you, guys. I, I said four lessons that I've learned since I've been your pastor here at Evangel. I, I don't have time to get into all four of them, but I'll try to share at least two of the lessons I've learned. Number one, here's the first lesson America is a resilient nation and people when we turn. To God for help. Did you catch that? 
America is a resilient nation when we turn to God for help. I, I was thinking this week about so many of the experiences Kathy and I have had here as your lead pastors. Our first Sunday was September 15th, 2002. It was exactly one year and four days after some jetliners filled with people that had been taken over by terrorists had crashed into the World Trade Center buildings, crashed into the Pentagon, and one had crashed into a field in Pennsylvania because there's some heroes on board that have said, we're not going to allow the terrorists to do this. You remember what happened? How many of you remember 9-11? Yeah. Do you remember the feeling you had? Helplessness and hopelessness and you can't believe it's happened and over almost 3,000 people lost their lives. 6,000 people were injured. One of the members of our congregation in Chicago worked. He worked in the World Trade Center and he flew back and forth. He was to be in the World Trade Center that morning. He was in tower number two. But at the last minute, he got detained by business in Chicago and he didn't go. Thank God for that divine appointment in his life. Well, it, 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 it was heartache for all of us. Do you remember what happened immediately after 9-11? There were churches across America that were absolutely filled with people. I mean, I mean, it wasn't just Sunday morning or, or Wednesday night. It was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The stock market had been going up, up, up on September 10th. 2001. But then when the World Trade Center was destroyed and the Pentagon and the attacks took place, the stock market took a nosedive. And you might remember that the Fed closed the markets for three days because they were afraid that our economy would be ruined. Suddenly people are in church. They're seeking God. They're repenting. Oh, God, see, because here's what America has done. America has made money our God. We've made how well the stock market is doing or the commodities market or the futures market or whatever market it is we're, we're into. We've, we've, we've made money our God. And as long as that's doing well, hey, we think everything's good. But when that starts to go down, people filled churches. I just want to say to you, I don't know exactly what the future holds for the United States of America, but we could do with some revival. Amen. Amen. Not only were churches filled, but, but there were reports about courtrooms, federal and state and local courts where people would spontaneously begin singing, God bless America. In fact, God bless America for the month of September 2001 was the most popular song in this country. Not only were they singing God bless America, but they began singing Amazing Grace. And the ACLU, the ACLU did not press any charges against them. Somebody say hallelujah. It's amazing. Not only that, but on the sidewalks of New York City, the Billy Graham Association and many other ministries opened up sidewalk prayer and the city allowed it. And you could just walk up to somebody on the sidewalk. It said, do you want prayer? And you could get prayer for your life, for your family, for your business, for the United States of America. Hallelujah. 
God has shed his grace on us, but we've got to turn back to him. Look, look over here at 2 Chronicles 7.14, a scripture that you know well. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. God says to Solomon here, he says, if my people who are called by my name, everybody say my people, called by my name. He's not talking about the people down the street. He's not talking about non-believers. He's talking about believers in God, believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. <laughs> it's so important that we learn to humble ourselves in prayer. David put it this way. He says, I humbled myself with fasting. So important that we learn. See, dear ones, if we don't humble ourselves, God knows how to humble us. Say that one more time. If we don't know how to humble ourselves, God knows how to humble us. Got a buddy who I was in college with at Emmanuel many years ago. And he came to me one day and he says, Terrell, I really need help. And he began telling me his story. He had built a, a great church. I mean, very, very large church. Hundreds of ministries going on. Lots and lots of employees. They had a, a Christian school. And overseeing, they had different principals over the elementary school, middle school, and high school. But then he had a, a lady who was his headmaster over everything. And she was a beautiful lady. And turned out my buddy began having an affair with this lady who was the headmaster of his school. And he told me, he says, you know, he says, we started that affair and he, she was married and had children. Of course, I was married and had a family. And we thought, well, this is just one time, but we something we just kept going back together. And he says, and I would repent and ask God to forgive me. And he says, there are a couple of times that I felt in my heart that I was supposed to go to my superintendent and tell him what was going on and go to my church board. He says, but I, I didn't do it. And he says, he says, what started out is very casual became very serious. And we didn't think anybody knew about it, but one day somebody blew the whistle on us. He says, today I've lost my ministry and I've lost my church and I've lost my family and I've lost a major portion of my finances and I've lost the respect of thousands and thousands of people, including my own children. And Terrell, I'm just wondering, is there anything you can do to help me to help me get things back on track. And thank God the Lord helped me to help him. But dear ones, I'm saying that, that, that if we don't humble ourselves before the Lord, he knows how to humble us. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, watch this, and pray. The, the Hebrew word for prayer or for pray here is palah, P-A-L-A-H. And here's what it means. It means to be an intercessor and to pray for another person. Now, most of us know a little bit about praying for other people because in our prayer lives, we pray about our needs. We pray about those suffering in our circle of friends. And we may pray for somebody that we've heard has a problem. It's usually something like this. Oh, God, would you please help so-and-so? I understand they're having a hard time. But an intercessor is one who takes the place of one in need. And so when I intercede, and my favorite place to intercede is right over here where these stanchions are. 
When I intercede, I'm placing myself in the position of the one in prayer. Everybody look at me. In the past almost 18 years, it's been my privilege to do this many times for many of you in this congregation. And I'll stand as if I am you and I'm praying and I'm saying, and, and it's no longer, I'm not praying about Terrell and I'm not praying about Terrell's family and I'm not talking about Terrell's concerns, but now I'm praying for you. Oh God, you see there's cancer. Oh God, you see there's a broken home. Oh God, you see there's division between a husband and wife. Oh God, you see there are problems with a child or there are problems with a grandchild. Oh God, God, and I just begin to wail before God. Oh God, there have been times I pray for people that don't know the Lord. And I literally, as I stand in that position of intercessor, I actually feel lost myself. Oh God, oh God, I'm lost. Oh God, I'm lost. Oh God, I thank you forgiveness of sins is available. God, I pray, oh Jesus, I thank you this person's calling on the Lord. I thank you that whoever calls on the, on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Some of you know what that kind of intercession is. That's exactly what he's talking about here. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, pray for a full revelation of God's glory. <laughs> if they'll turn from their wicked ways, if they'll repent. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Dear ones, I prophesy to you, we can rise above this COVID-19. We can rise above racism and hatred. We can rise above economic problems. We can rise above the problems facing this nation. But we've got to pray and humble ourselves and call on the name of the Lord. We've got to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Because dear ones, I want you to know there's a God that wants to answer our prayer even more than we want to see him answered. And I'm asking you to stand in the gap and make up the hedge and pray for our deacon board as they're now part of this search committee. I want you to stand in the gap and make up the hedge and pray for your new pastor. I believe, see, if Kathy and I are hearing from the Holy Ghost, see, God doesn't do anything in isolation. He's also talking dealing with the heart of somebody else that he's called who's going to do such a wonderful job that you're going to say, Terrell, who? Yeah, I think I remember he used to be around here. God's going to send somebody that's going to bless your socks off. I really believe that. But we got to pray for our deacons because, see, guys, they're going to go through spiritual warfare. The old devil is going to try to kill, steal, and destroy. But he's a liar and the truth is not in him. When Zion travailed, sons and daughters were born into the kingdom. And some things only come by prayer, Jesus said, by prayer and by fasting. And that's kind of the second point. And I'll, I'll make this and I'll, I'll close with it. I, I've learned, number two, that, that, that God honors prayer and he honors fasting. See, it was in August of 2002 that Kathy and I had been invited down here by the search committee, by the board, to try out, to, to preach on a Sunday morning. And then that night there was a business meeting. And the congregation voted on us and we received 93% of the vote. Thank you. All Kathy and I knew is that God had spoken and said, you're supposed to, I've called you to evangel. And honestly, Kathy, I told Kathy and she had told me we'd agreed. It would have been a relief if we had not been voted in because I'll tell you why. Because we 
originally weren't ready to leave our church in Illinois. We had birthed the church. We had started it, pastored it for 14 years. We loved the saints there. We were the only pastor a lot of them ever knew. And suddenly, when we were voted in here, it meant the truth came crashing down on us that we had to go back and resign. And guys, I'll be honest with you, if you've never done it, you probably haven't because you've not been a pastor. Many of you have had to resign jobs before in transition, but when you're a pastor, I'll tell you what happens. Some people get mad at you. Not because they're really mad, but they're just hurt. Some people withdraw their affections. Some people quit talking to you. It's a little bit like walking on eggshells. Kathy and I didn't know what to do. We got back up to Illinois and it's August 2002. I'm scheduled to be down here on September 15th. We know we got a house to sell. We've got a teenager, a 15-year-old who's a cheerleader, the head of her squad in high school, and we've got to go tell her she can't do that anymore. Got to tell the board up there and then you tell the congregation. And we didn't know what to do. And so we just had a few days. So we began to fast and we began to pray. Here's what we fasted and prayed. We, Ezra chapter 8 verse 21. Ezra chapter 8 verse 21 says, There by the Ahava Canal I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask Him for a safe journey for us and our children and all our possessions. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from enemies on the road because we had told the king the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him and his great anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. For the last almost 18 years, every January I've stood in front of you And I said, Happy New Year. It's time to start fasting and praying. And if you could see some of your faces when I announced that. (laughs) Here's the issue, guys. All of us can be carnal. The Bible says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And a lot of times when we're carnal, we don't even realize it. I can be carnal and not realize it. And one of the things that fasting and prayer does, it doesn't change God, doesn't change His Word, doesn't change the Holy Spirit, but it changes you and me. It deals with the carnality inside you and me. We're not twisting God's arm saying, God, would you do this? I'm going to make you do this. I'm going to twist your arm till you say, Uncle. No, 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 no. I'm fasting and praying. I'm humbling my heart because God uses that to deal with the carnality in me, to deal with the flesh in me. You know, we got the word carnal in the Bible. A carnal Christian is a fleshly Christian, a Christian whose mind is the world. Well, the Spanish word for flesh is carne. It's also translated meat. When you're a carnal Christian, you're a meat-headed Christian. Anybody ever known a meathead before? Has anybody ever been a meathead? What the fasting and praying does is it deals with that carnality inside you and me. Makes us more like Jesus. We just sometimes don't realize just how carnal we are. 
I've seen God and you have too. We've seen God answer prayer again and again and again and again and again and again and again. How many people have we seen saved? How many people have we seen respond to altar calls right here at Evangel? Come on, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And why? That doesn't just happen. It's not because I'm a good preacher or anybody else is that good a preacher. It's because of the Holy Ghost. You got to sometimes see there's a spiritual warfare and sometimes the, the war is actually going on between your ears. Sometimes the devil doesn't, need to do, doesn't even need our help because we help him ourselves because we've got this carnal nature we don't deal with. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What am I asking you to do? I'm asking you to intercede, to pray, to intercede, to stand in the middle, stand on behalf of this church, to stand on behalf of our deacons, to stand on behalf of your next pastor. You can pray for Kathy and I at the same time. We love you. We carry you in our heart. Many's the time I've taken the church directory and just prayed through the entire directory, calling your name before the Lord. And I'm able to do it because somebody called my name before the throne of grace. And we've got to call the names of the next generation before the throne of grace. But I'm going to ask you to pray for our deacons. I'm going to ask you to pray for Dr. Hans Hercule and his wife Sharon. I'm going to ask you to pray for Brother Norm Munyon and his wife Marilyn. I'm going to ask you to pray for Danny Albritton and Angie and Jay Grant and Ashley and Dennis Gray and Patsy. I'm going to ask you to pray for wisdom. I'm going to ask you to pray for direction. I'm going to ask you to pray for the mind of Christ. And someplace out there, God's got somebody that he's already called to be your pastor. He's not going to be Terrell Todd. And you don't want him to be. I'll say it again. You really don't want him to be. You want that person to be themselves. Now, we hope to find somebody whose vision and values and philosophy of ministry and priorities and, and practices lines up with who we are as a people. But I prophesy to you the best days for evangel are not behind us. They're in front of us. We have resumed Monday intercession. For those of you that can come, I realize everybody can't come. But we've got an intercession that goes on in here at 12 o'clock tomorrow. One of the things we're going to be praying about is God's choice for who he would have. We're praying for Brother Tommy Moore as he works with our board to help our board. Kathy, come on up here and join me. There a microphone she could use. What have I said today? Kathy and I have sensed for a number of months now that our season here is coming to a close. It's not because, folks, here's the, I fear God too much to stay in a place when it, the times come. I mean, I mean, if I just looked at this in the natural at my age, I would love to serve a couple more years and just get a paycheck that I'm trying to save for my future. 
but I, I, I fear God too much because I don't want to get in his way. I don't want to mess things up. I believe that if I'll honor him, I may not know. I may not know all what's ahead of us, but I know God's faithful and he's never let me down. He's never failed me. And faithful is he that has called us who will also bring it to pass. So we've told your board we're willing to stay if you want us to for eight more weeks till September 13th, okay? If you find another pastor before then, we'll be glad to step down. If you decide you don't want us around here, we don't have to stay. But here's where our heart is. Our heart's to bless you. Our heart's to minister to you. Our heart's to help you. Kathy, you want to say anything? You think so? Kathy is my Proverbs 31 gal. She's my Mrs. Universe. She's my flower of beauty fair. Well, if you say it that way, I think I can catch my voice now. No. I just want to say, these 18 years... Right here. You go ahead. <laughs> These 18 years, guys, you have shown us love. We came here and you just took us in. You loved us. You cared for us. And in turn, we just began to love you. And you guys became family. We began to love you before we ever got here. We began to pray for you before we ever came. But God did some good things in our hearts. And we made some very good friends. These friends have turned into family. And that's who you are. And that's who you always will be. And though we don't know what we're doing yet, but God does. And you know, sometimes I told someone a little bit ago, sometimes you have to get out of the boat and start walking. And He begins to reveal His plan to you. And one of my favorite verses is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And you all know that. If you've been around me long enough, I give it to you all the time. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge Him and He directs your path. And just as He's directing our path, He's directing evangels, He's directing your path personally. And we'll always be family, no matter if we're here in Tallahassee or wherever we are. You're always in our hearts, and we love you so much. And we'll continue to pray for you and Evangel, always. Thank you. Amen. Thanks, Dora. Thank you. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, nobody talking, nobody moving. The stillness of this moment, if today, if you were to pass away, I ask you, do you have the assurance in your heart that you would wake up in heaven? Do you know that you know that you know that heaven would be your home? I didn't ask you if you hope so. I ask you, do you know? Do you know? With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, Terrell, I'm not sure if I die tonight or even today that I'd wake up in heaven. See, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. 
The Bible does say, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today's an opportunity to call on the name of the Lord. Don't say another day, another time. You don't know if you'll have another day. You don't know if you'll have another opportunity or time. Maybe that you've walked with the Lord in years past, but something has happened. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe your best friend betrayed you. Maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe you had to declare bankruptcy. I don't know what it is, but maybe you had the death of a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter or a mom or a dad. I want you to know God loves you. And Jesus stretches out his hands and says, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Is there anyone here today say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. Just raise your hand and leave it up. Raise your hand and leave it up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Anybody else? I need the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I want everybody to stand. Pastor Zach, I want you to come and stand, if you will, right in front of this platform. If you raise your hand, we're getting ready to pray another prayer, then we're going to sing. But while we do that, if you raised your hand, I want you to just come down here and to where Pastor Zach is, you can keep social distance, but he's going to just lead you in a prayer as you recommit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Just slip out where you're standing and come right down Pastor Zach wants to wants to pray with you he wants to speak with you hallelujah while that person is 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 getting up the courage to come how many of you will pray for our deacons come on how many of you will pray for your next pastor I want you to lift up your voices to, to, to heaven with me right now Lord God in the mighty name of Jesus Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we pray for Brother Norm Munyon. Lord God, we pray for Brother Dennis Gray. We pray for Dr. Hans Hercule. God, we pray for, for Brother Danny Albritton and Brother Jay Grant. God, we pray for these deacons. God, we pray for Brother Tommy Moore. God, we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God, we pray for thy kingdom come and thy will to be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord God, I thank you. I give you praise and I give you the glory and I thank you today, Lord Jesus, because we've got the mind of Christ. We bind every devil and Lord, we loose the Holy Ghost. We loose one mind and one accord. We loose the plan and the provision of God in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you for blessing this congregation. You love evangel more than I love evangel. You love this people more than I do. And Lord God, you've got a plan and you've got a purpose and you've got a provision and you've got, you've got a way. And Lord, you make a way where there doesn't appear to be a way. And we receive that this morning in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we proclaim victory to this house. We proclaim victory to Evangel. We proclaim victory to the people of God here. We proclaim victory in the mighty name of Jesus. We love you, Lord. We give you praise 
And we give you glory. Thank you, Jesus. And everybody says amen. Amen. Everybody look at me. You're stuck with me for the next eight weeks. Now, I would have to say this because of previous arrangements. I'll only be preaching six of those eight because we've got other people that are coming that are going to bless you. But we love you. Thank you for making Evangel the greatest congregation in the world. The last service, I told them that when I came here, Kathy and I came 18 years ago, we agreed that we were going to hang a tin around everyone's neck unless they took it off. A lot of you are still wearing your tin. We knew God had called us, but we weren't sure how it was going to work because I was different from every pastor I knew in the West Florida district. We'd been part for 14 years. We had become Midwesterners. Yankees. Yeah, I'm a hybrid now. And we knew that the culture that we'd been part of was different from the culture here. And we thought, oh, Lord, can those people even stand us? So you know what we did? We just fasted some more. We prayed. We love you. We thank God for you. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.